welcome everybody to What Does the Bible Say About That? Uh, I'm Reese, and I've got Will here with me. Hello, Hello yes. everybody. Um, it's been a little while. Again, we, we had Christmas, we've had Christmas break with you know school being out. I graduated. Will's got another semester. I'm still in school. But uh, yeah, I just, I'm happy to be back on the podcast. We were trying to put out a podcast during the break. Sorry. And I'm not going to say that it's all Will's fault that we didn't, but I'm not going to not say that. Would that be fair? To I'm say? just going to keep my mouth shut like a lamb being led, <laughs> led to, to slaughter. slaughter. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Anyways, just kidding. It was kind of hard. We, we would have to do it over phone. It would have been bad audio quality. and I won't blow in the mic like I did <laughs> a couple times ago. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. So what we wanted to do for this episode or... Is that you call them episodes, They're right? Episodes. Um, we've been kind of reflecting over the break and specifically over Christmas, you know, since that was kind of a big part of our break. Um, and we thought we'd do an episode on like Christmas, the holidays in general. Um, from right, this is this podcast about what the Bible says. Um, so we wanted to look at the Bible, the biblical stories, not to give a Christmas story like recount the story of the manger but you know talk about a few fun facts or things maybe you didn't know about christmas um where that holiday comes from um and just kind of in general what our view should be towards these kinds of holidays or holy days um biblically speaking so it might be a controversial episode i don't know i think will's more nervous than me about it i'm excited my, my palms are sweaty <laughs> But um, I think I think it's gonna be good. Yeah, it'll for be good. all of us, it's been helpful for me to hear about this kind of stuff. And so, where yeah. should we start? What should we do to start? I think it'll be good. Let's 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 hit the um, let's hit the Christmas story. Christmas story. Yeah. Luke's probably the most yeah detailed one. Luke Luke's always the most detailed gospel. I just echo a little bit what you said. Sure. Getting there. But um. You know, we're gonna we're gonna talk about mainly it seems like what we're gonna talk about. I don't know where we might go, but the main point is what is what should be our view towards Christmas? Hmm. You know, because we can find history and we can find verses that maybe don't line up with what we've grown up with or maybe the concept that we have. Um, and so what should be our view to it? Should we be lackadaisical about it? Should we care? Mm-hmm. Should we not care? Is it that big of a deal? Right. So we're just going to give you some of our thoughts. Right. And yes. and and the history. I mean, we're not uneducated in this matter. Huh. So, yeah. We'll get in it. <laughs> and just feel free to do with it what you will and take it before the Lord. Yeah. Definitely. Okay, so um I don't think we should read the Christmas story. Most people know the Christmas story. Yeah, okay. But maybe we could just I mean, there's a few like Thoughts or yeah, yeah, that's, I guess that's what I meant. Yeah, I don't want to read it either. Yeah, I heard it enough, <laughs> <laughs> heard it every year. Um, probably the only story I knew from the Bible until I was saved. One of the few I knew, like, two. That's a good three. one. Yeah, it's a good one. Um, how about we just get into like some of the things that aren't so maybe that they didn't know, like the wise men. Wise men, yes, you want to you wanna yeah. do that? Well, yeah, in, in Luke, there's not three of them. Actually, nowhere in the Bible is there three of them. 
they do they do bring the three gifts, but there's never an account in the Bible that there was only three. Typically, in all the nativity scenes and even what we say, like in the sermon, the three wise men and three kings. Yeah, there's not three. Yeah. I mean, as far as like we like, there's anyways. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's. I mean, most likely there weren't three because their gifts were so immaculate that I don't know if immaculate's the right word, but it's like it probably they all pulled their money together and pulled their gifts together and gave it to them. But yeah, that's, I mean, minor point. It's kind of fun to know. There actually is no account in the Bible that there were three wise men. There were wise men or shepherds, magi, which were like, pretty sure they're like magicians or something. Yeah. Um, anyways, it's interesting, but they weren't Jews. Yep. So, so. point number one. Yeah. Uh, another point, I think the date is interesting oh, to yeah, talk yeah. about. Um, there's a few indications that just abruptly show that it wasn't December 25th. I think most people know that it wasn't December 25th. It's like we just chose that date or celebrate. Because yeah. But it's like crystal clear that it wasn't that date. Um, a couple signs of that. Um, one, the fact that the shepherds in Luke 2 were out watching their flock at the ni- during the night. Uh, shepherds didn't used to do that during the middle of winter. Um, it gets very cold in the region of Palestine. And so um, they wouldn't have been doing that uh, had it been December. Uh, they Usually during October, they would be indoors after that. And so um, Or they wouldn't be outside at night. So that's one indication. Another, Mary and Joseph going to Bethlehem to, for the census. Right. They, they wouldn't have made that kind of a journey. And there wouldn't have been that kind of a call for a journey in the middle of the winter with an eight-month pregnant woman. Uh, that wouldn't have happened. <laughs> yeah. And thirdly, you can actually calculate it looking at um, specifically when John the Baptist was born. Oh, nice. You can look at when his father, was it Zacchaeus or Zechariah? Or? Zechariah. Not Zacchaeus, yeah, Zechariah. Yeah. yeah. Like what month he was serving in the priesthood, and you can do the math. I... I Personally, I don't have it in front of me. I've read a book where someone does it. And um, you can calculate when the Lord basically gave him a son or when right. his wife was impregnated. And then you know that John was six months older than Jesus. I don't know. I've never heard this before. It's interesting. Yeah. So, so he, this person, it's in, uh, is it not Babylon in captivity? It's the mystery of Babylon, I think is the book. Okay. But um, John Woodruff. No, not John Woodruff. Oh, what's the guy's name? Anyways, he he proposes it's in September. Oh, okay. And I think other people have proposed September. Yeah, Some August have said too. April. Yeah. Um, nobody says December who like actually like studies it. It's yeah. impossible to come to that date. The reason that date was chosen actually is, um, well, there's a couple of conflicting views. Some say it's because they just assume that the beginning of the winter solstice was like, you know, the Lord is like the sun, like even in Luke 1, right? It says that he's like the rising of the sun. Um, where's that verse? He says he'll like rise like the sun. It's somewhere in Luke. It's also in Malachi. <laughs> yeah. um, so they say, you know, like that's when the sun is born kind of. Right. So they chose that date. Um, what's more likely is that it was a, it's a holiday that a lot of the like surrounding pagan religions used for the birth of 
their sun god or things like that. And so when the Christians were spreading, that that date was already significant for a lot of them. And so they kind of Christianized, you can say, mm-hmm. that date, just made it, attributed Christ's birth to that right. date so they could continue their celebrations. Right. And even even in like the early church, you can't you can't really even find any hints of celebrating this type of Christmas day until like the 200s. Right. Until a little bit later on. Yeah. For sure. So those are some fun facts. Um, now maybe we should get to more of the meaty stuff. Yeah. So with this, we might, there might be some, <laughs> some feathers ruffled. Woo! So just, you know, just bear with us. Again, you know, a lot of the things we talk about don't necessarily have to do with the common faith, but hopefully they deepen our relationship with Jesus mm-hmm. and help us experience more Christ. Right. And, and, and so, I mean, you know, sometimes it's just like anything. Sometimes things can just veil us. They can block us from our experience of Christ. And so we, we just... That we're doing this podcast for that reason. We just want to look at Christmas from a very, um, I don't know, simple, and we're not going to pull any punches here. Right. So. Right. All right. Here so I go. think one one section we should go to kind of as like the foundation for what we're going to talk about is Matthew 13, 33 through 35. Um, commonly misinterpreted as a positive parable, which is almost comical to me. Um, because it's not, I mean, it's like when you look at this, what? Yeah. Yeah. When you look at it all over the Bible, um, like about 11, you find that it's a negative thing. Right. And so some people for some reason think it must be good because he's talking about the kingdom, but even the next parable is about the tares. And so it's right there. There's no reason to think it's positive just because he's talking about the kingdom. But anyways, we should read the verses, um, so Matthew thirteen thirty three says, Another parable he took to them. The kingdom of the heavens is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal until the whole was leavened. All these things Jesus spoke in parables, and apart from a parable, he spoke nothing. Um, so this parable talks about this unleavened meal that then a woman comes and hides three, leisure, three measures of... Um, I'm sorry. She comes and she comes and hides three measures of meal yeah, until right. the whole is leavened, mm-hmm. and so this is a, a, a negative parable talking about like the purity of the kingdom of the heavens when corruption comes in when a little bit of leaven slips in, it actually leavens the whole bunch. Um, and Paul talks about the same kind of thing in First Corinthians yeah, five. Yeah, that's right. I was looking for that. Oh yeah, it's First Corinthians five six. And he speaks about it in a negative way as well. Right. You have it. Yeah, I can read it. So, First Corinthians. Yep. Okay. So your your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Right. Uh, purge out the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, even as you are unleavened. For our Passover Christ has been sacrificed. Yeah. And, and he's referencing specifically this sinful brother who was sleeping with his stepmom, I believe, in, in, in Corinth. Right. And like, they need to purge him out because he's going to corrupt everyone. And so when a little bit of leaven gets into the church, it leavens the whole bunch if it's not dealt with. Mm-hmm. And... A lot of times, 
what what I was referring to with like Christianizing different pagan practices. Um, this has been happening throughout Christendom for the last, or especially during the beginning thousand years mm-hmm. of it, in that they Christians would go to other countries and preach the gospel or proselytize or establish a Christian nation, sort of. And they didn't preach a pure gospel, but they softened the blow. Um, what leaven actually does to bread is it makes it fluffy and easier to consume. Yeah, that's um, true. Most le- of the bread we probably eat today is... All of it is leaven, yeah. Leaven. Or some sort of a variant of leaven. And it is good. And unleavened bread's pretty nasty. Yeah. It's pretty hard and just doesn't taste... It's like stale and you just don't want it. But it's easier to eat with leaven. And when you leaven the gospel, you soften the blow of the gospel. You make it easy for anyone to eat it. And you basically get a mixture that the Lord is not uh, happy with. It's not pure. (coughs) So... We are under the conviction with other believers. This isn't like one of our ideas or something that we came up with. Like many have seen this, even secular yeah. people. If you look up Christmas in the encyclopedia, you'll see that it, it was originally a pagan holiday, um, not named Christmas, obviously. Right. But its source is a pagan holiday, and all the different festivities around it. If you haven't done research, like why do we have you know mistletoe or why is there a tree? Um, there's pagan roots to all of it. Right. Um, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Do you want to do the Jeremiah? Yeah, let me look at this Jeremiah verse. Yeah. So, okay, one of the, you know, um, one of the biggest things of Christmas yeah. is the Christmas tree. Mm-hmm. And that's cool. I mean, I remember growing up, me and my mom would decorate the tree and right. put the lights and stuff up. So, is there a verse in the Bible that talks about the Christmas tree? There is. <laughs> okay. And I just like, I mean, you know, this is what the Lord says. This is, this is Jeremiah 10, um, 2 and 3. No, actually 2 and 4. It says, Learn the way of the nations, nor be dismayed at the signs of the heavens, because the, nation, the nations are dismayed at them. For the custom of the people are vanity. A tree from the forest is cut down and worked with an axe by the hands of a craftsman. They decorate it with silver and gold. They fasten it with a hammer and nail so it cannot move. Right. I mean, <laughs> that, yeah, the, the, the nations would go out, get a tree, adorn it with silver and gold, fasten, and it. fasten it up. You know, I mean, that's not necessarily the Christmas tree. This probably isn't even associated maybe with the Roman holiday where Christmas comes from. But still, it's like there's a clear picture of of the nation celebrating something yeah that and and that's what he's that's what jeremiah is warning the jews about yeah don't participate don't participate this is not this is not one of you know okay so the jews did have i don't know i don't don't know if they'd call them holidays be like feasts yeah they had celebrations yeah and paul talks about it pretty clearly in the new testament that those celebrations christ fulfilled Mm -hmm. he he is the real celebration right so you know, this wasn't like a. It wasn't like the Jews didn't celebrate things, but it, but the Lord is telling them like, this celebration or whatever that this idol worship of this tree or whatever else right. is happening. It's like, don't participate. That's right. basically leaven to the things that we're doing. This these symbols that I've already laid out for you. Right. And for us today, that's Christ. Right. Exactly. Christ doesn't. I mean, to attribute Christ and His holy name 
to things that whose origin is pagan or Babylonian, um, which that that's probably Babylonian in Jeremiah. But I mean, like the you know the what what kind of a tree is a Christmas tree? Is it a, it's not a pine, right? Not it's a pine. A, um, oh, what is, what is it called? This is just so embarrassing. I could look it up. You should look it up. Okay. It's like I, I've I've done some research on the different like trees that people used to use for their winter solstice holiday and they all use different trees like this probably wasn't that kind of tree but like the english or somewhere in in norway or in scandinavia they had like some norse god that they would celebrate with the exact same tree the exact same um Mm -hmm. tree that we use for christmas okay so there's a couple there's 16 well this is the first thing that comes up (laughs) there's 16 types of christmas trees fir trees yeah yeah, the fir fir fir. okay f-i-r yeah um yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways. So so they the the trees that we use, the mistletoe, all of that um the uh, what do you call it? The what do you call it? the circle, the green circles that you the not wreaths, um the I don't know. I don't know what you're wreath. Wreath, right? W R E A T H. A wreath. I guess. I don't know. All of them have origins in pagan oh, holidays. Oh, yeah, okay. So. I mean, even the mistletoe is a... Is a yeah, yeah. Is a... And, and the exchanging of gifts, that's... Some people think that derives from, you know, the giving of gifts to Jesus, but there's no exchange, actually, in that picture. It's it's giving everything you have to the Lord. Yeah. The, the practice of exchanging gifts even isn't... doesn't have this biblical root. I mean, we should give to the church and to the Lord, yeah. but, like, to just have it be a time where you spend a lot of money on a bunch of different people and have I not it's honestly it's become right a debaucherous holiday and, and a lot some, of families yeah um, right it's just there's no christian root to it there's no biblical root to it and really it's not a small matter it's a matter of an asserting like this is christian this is christ let's put his name on something that is of the devil really mm-hmm. if you if we're being honest, like something that's pagan, that's Babylonian, its source is in the enemy. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's not a small thing to to just say, well, it doesn't really matter, do what you want. Um, I think the fact that you, you know, get together with your family during this break that everyone celebrates is fine. I mean, that's good, right? Yeah. To be the family. I'm not even saying giving gifts is wrong, mm-hmm. but to act as if it is a something that the Lord desires and there's this big fight, put Christ back into Christmas. Um, well, that's where we're way off. Like he, the Lord is not in Christmas. Mm-hmm. Christ mass, like even as Protestants, like why celebrate something that's Catholic at its root in that sense? Yeah, true. Math, mass. Um, so yeah, I mean, this is, what you're saying though is right. Like what the Lord, the Lord came and fulfilled. Yeah, that's right. Or became the reality of all of these kind of symbols or yeah. outward manifestations. Right. And, and I, I mean, I liked where you went with Levin to yeah. start off because it's like, I've heard it a lot, honestly. Just the, the thought, like, well, is it that big of a deal? Mm-hmm. Is it really that big? I mean, we're Americans now. We're not, we celebrate this in America. It started in America with the Christian root. It's mm-hmm. like, is it, that, is it really that big of a deal to even... Well, just 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 celebrate. You know who cares? It's just, it's just about Jesus. We'll make it about Jesus. Hmm. We'll make him a birthday cake. <laughs> you know, I mean, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And the picture of leaven is clear. It's, mm-hmm. it's, and it's not like okay, we all need to go wear 
I mean, you know, you can make a case about this to the extreme. of Like, you know, it's not like we need to go wear skirts and... I mean, not that the guys would wear... You know what I'm saying? Like, hmm. we don't need to dress a certain way or, or don't interact with technology. I mean, you know what I mean? It's like, we're not, hmm. like, trying to make this utopia where it's like we don't have any celebrations or interfere... Like, but the, the point of it is, it's like, don't add things to Christ. Like, Christmas being, like, an American holiday of gathering with your family and giving gifts, that's one thing. Mm-hmm. But Christmas being like, oh, this is the birth of Jesus. It's a very holy day. Yeah. Please find that in the Bible for me. <laughs> I yeah. Mean, find, find the only place that it really even talks about a day. I mean, anyways, there's just, there, there's nothing that hints even at the apostles celebrating anything like this mm-hmm. or even remembering the day of Jesus's birth. birth. You know, there's actually only two birthday celebrations in the Bible. I didn't know that. Can you guess? Can you think of when they are? I'll give you. I'll give you five bucks. You got them. The, one of them, I bet you <laughs> could get. Bucks. Another one, I couldn't oh, find. I I was very blown oh. away to find out this was one. Well, I don't know. I was thinking maybe David. No, That's probably wrong. All right. Well, there are two. There are two evil people. <laughs> oh, seriously. One is Herod. Uh, he's cel- he celebrates oh, his John birthday by killing John the Baptist, okay. beheading him. Yeah. Or his daughter. Which is weird, right? It's his daughter. Or his, or his, his wife's daughter. Yeah. Or, yeah, it's like because he marries his brother's wife. And so, yeah, it's like his, she's dances for him, asks for so John Baptist's head. Yeah. The other birth, or birthday, Pharaoh. Seriously? And on his birthday, he celebrates it by murdering the baker who was with uh, Joseph. All right. So two murders on the two birthdays recorded in the Bible. Anyways, not to say that means anything, but it also doesn't not mean anything. Okay. So, there's a verse though in Colossians two sixteen that you kind of referenced yeah, yeah. in passing that I think is important. Um, the Colossians are being criticized by the Jews for not celebrating their holy days. Um, which, if there's any holy days that you can make a case that we should celebrate, it's the Jewish festivals, right? They're ordained by God, God given. We should do that. They're biblical. Like Christmas, you have no warrant because you don't, there's no, it doesn't tell you to celebrate that day in the Bible. But God actually commands that you celebrate these Jewish days. But in the New Testament, you, the Lord undoes that in a sense or replaces it with himself. But the Jews are criticizing. And so Paul says, let no one therefore judge you in eating and in drinking or in respect of a feast or of a new moon or of a Sabbath which are a shadow of the things to come, but the body is of Christ. And so he's saying these things instituted earlier, they're all just shadows of the things to come, but the bodies of Christ. Like Christ is the reality. Right. Christ is our real Sabbath. He's a real new moon. He's a real festival, a real feast. And that's what we should really be celebrating as believers, as the body. We are of Christ. We don't regard the outward things. Even in Second Corinthians, I think it's five seventeen. It says, "We we don't know Christ according to the flesh. Even if we did, we know Him so no longer." It you know he in His resurrection He is now able to indwell all of His believers and be known as the Spirit. He's not just a, the fleshly Jesus who was born in the manger. Right. He is the Spirit Jesus who is born in each one of us. Mm-hmm. And so this is like the reality of what some people claim is Christmas. Christmas is, is, a, is a, a mockery in a sense 
of what the Lord really wanted to accomplish. It's to celebrate the the fleshly Jesus um, and his birth is too low. Like what the Lord is doing today, he is being, he's begetting his believers. He's yeah. begetting millions and millions of people being born again, in a sense, incarnated again in each one of us. It's not a, a yearly celebration. It's a, it's a daily reality. It's true. And he's being born more and more again, you can even say. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's, it's something so much deeper right. than just celebrating his, his physical... I mean, it, it's wonderful. The word became flesh. Right. Right? I mean, that is like, wow, this is the, this is the peak of... In a sense, this is almost like the climax of the Bible. It's like, mm-hmm. God became a man. Right. Right. And that's, that is marvelous. Right. But it doesn't stop there. Right. Right. God also is now the spirit indwelling us. Right. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's incredible. He's he's now forming his church. He's forming his brothers. Right. And it's just like, that is, that is the most enjoyable thing. Right. And, and it's an experience of Christ that we don't need all this other stuff. Right. And I think if we really saw the significance of the incarnation, we wouldn't, it, it, no one would care about That's these true. other days. Like even like this fact that the spirit indwells us, I think a lot of times I viewed that in the past as like, okay, God lives in me. Um, he could leave, you know, Yeah. but he, he's kind of taken up some residence in me as if like he's a person in the house. But the biblical portrait is not just an indweller who can come and go as he pleases, but it's one of union. Yeah. It's one just like the incarnation. Transforming. Right. When God became a man in the person of Jesus, he didn't just dwell inside of human flesh and not really have much interaction with it. He, he joined himself. Yeah. He was a God-man. Mm-hmm. He was God and man at the same time. Yeah. Humanity and divinity joined. And when he comes to us, like 1 Corinthians 6.17 says, He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Yeah. So it's not a just a simple indwelling. It is a union of God and man, mm-hmm. just like the incarnation. Right. We're, we're even called sons of God, mm-hmm. begotten of God. Just the two verses prior to John 1.14 that you quoted. So yeah, I mean, the, the, to celebrate a day and of Jesus' birth, is, is, that's not the Lord's desire. That's not his goal. His, he, what he wants is he wants us to be receiving him and to, for him to be propagated you could say for the incarnation to be occurring more and more right. in his believers yeah that's true i mean like i i'm just i was just kind of sitting here thinking like you know there might be some people that are are gathering what we're saying and there might be other people that are ready to rip our throats off or yeah. out you know but <laughs> well, we haven't told them our address yet so. <laughs> and we're not going to nope Sorry. No, it's okay. (laughs) No, I'm just thinking like, you know, like I've I've actually heard Francis Chan say this when he's addressing just certain things. And he's like, okay, if we just forget about tradition, we forget about what people say, forget about history even. Yeah. And just look at the Bible. Like, let's just say we had a group of 10 people and we're like, we're only going to look at the Bible. That's all we have. Yeah. You wouldn't have Christmas. Right. You couldn't find it. You can't find it. And you can approach a lot of things like that. You know, and so, you know, just, just one way to look at it, it's like we are, as believers, we should be after the pure Christ, right. the pure um, unleavened Christ. And it's not attractive at first. Hmm. It takes some changing of our appetite. 
Right. You know, there's a picture of this in Exodus. We even know this by our own diets and stuff. It's like, I have a friend who only ate meat growing up. Yeah. And then he switched over to being completely uh, plants. Yeah. I mean, like... It's not it was it was a whole food plant based diet or anyway it, it, it doesn't matter. But after some time, he enjoyed it. Yeah. He didn't care about meat. He could smell a steak and not care a thing. Huh. He loved the vegetables because his appetite changed. It's just it's just how we're made. And it's the same way with Christ. It's like he's he's not that attractive outwardly right. compared to the world. He's yeah. just not. But when you start experiencing Christ, like Peter says, if you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Right. I guess he's actually quoting the psalm, but that that's our that's our point here is Christ is something much deeper right than an outward symbol. And and if the outward symbol is what we get excited about and what we're looking forward to and then it's replacing Christ. That's right. You get enamored with the outward tradition mm-hmm. and you're not holding the, the verses after the Colossians two sixteen and seventeen are being a shadow talks about these people who are defrauding you of your prize and they're puffed up and by his mind set on the flesh, not holding to the head out from whom all the body being richly supplied and knit together um, grows with the growth of God. Right. And so they choose these outward matters to dwell on, which Paul says are setting your mind on the flesh, the outward things. Even the God-given festivals, he says you're setting your mind on the flesh with those rather than holding to the head out from whom you're richly supplied. Yep. So there's a spiritual reality that we have to endeavor to know and love and enjoy. Um, And so I like what you're saying. Like there, there is more to the Christian life than the outward things. Like there's a spiritual reality that is enjoyable and that's real and that can far surpass any notion of excitement we get from Christmas Mm -hmm. or let alone Easter, which is also pagan. But anyways, has to do with bunnies and being fruitful. We don't need to talk about that this time. But um, yeah, I, maybe just a, a, something closing. Okay, yeah. How, how do we like, okay, so how do we approach it now? Christmas? You know, yeah, like, okay, we, we got a whole year to prepare now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, okay, well, what do we do? Yeah. Are we, are we, are we a bunch of Grinches or, <laughs> you know, we just yeah. want to, we just hate Christmas, yeah, yeah. I do. I'm really still trying to figure that out because my family, you know, they celebrate Christmas big time. Like my dad's favorite holiday of the year, hands down. Um, I don't, I don't go caroling. um, Yeah, (laughs) but uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't attribute anything of it to the Lord. That's my personal view of it right now. I, I participate in different aspects of it simply for the sake of family and not, you know, causing a ruffle. Um, But nobody in my family is really making a big deal out of it, religiously speaking. Mm -hmm. And so it's not too difficult. Like if they were really, you know, celebrating the Savior and his birth and, you know, I might have different feelings about it. But I'm really trying to work through it. Like how am I going to raise my kids especially? Yeah, right. In my house, there will not be a tree. That's for sure. I'm not, can't, I can't control what my dad does. There's going to be no tree, for sure no Santa. I mean, that's pagan for sure, too. Uh, I don't know, what do you think? <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know. I, I was just, I'm just thinking. I guess it just depends on who our listeners are here. Because there, there surely is a lot of people in America that yeah. aren't 
I don't celebrate Christmas for anything religious reasons, yeah. you know. But then there's also a group of people, a large group of people that also do celebrate Christmas yeah. for religious purposes. And, and so I think for the most part, this is all individual, your individual experience of Christ. Like you take all these things before the Lord. You take all these verses. You take the history of, mm-hmm. of it. I mean, if you really, really like Christmas... And maybe it is worth reading the history and reading, just just kind of doing your own research, right? Yeah. But ultimately, when it comes to like, you know, your family and stuff, I guess it's just the best just to try to be one with the Lord. I mean, like, yeah, pray about it and try to be in your spirit and and then just go from there. You know, I don't yeah. know. I can't. <laughs> I don't have much. I, I'm yeah. just. I'm just saying, like, as far as practical experiences. Yeah, for a lot of people, they are going to want to celebrate Christmas. And they enjoy Christmas and they love being with their family. So, yeah, we're not calling. It, we're not. We're, this isn't the um, recruitment for the Grinch's army, <laughs> <laughs> right? But it's just for, anyways, own personal, hopefully, enjoyment of Christ and and maybe maybe some type of eye opener to how does the Lord really feel? It's it's really easy. I think it is really easy for us to say something like. Um, well, God doesn't really care. Surely He doesn't care that much. We're celebrating Him. And and that, that could be true, but what if He does care? Then that's kind of what we're calling you to consider. What if He does care what you're celebrating and how you're living and um, what the purpose of this holiday is and where the history of it came from? Yeah. All that kind of, all that kind of stuff. It's worth considering. It's worth praying about. Um, so. Right. I was looking for this quote. There's this hymn I really like where it says, um, Christ be born a thousand times in Bethlehem. Do you know this song? No. I forget what it's what it's called. It's Anglus Silius or something. Um, oh yeah. If Christ were born in Bethlehem a thousand times and not in thee thyself, then thou art lost eternally. It's this really good hymn, though, that oh, talks about all of Christ's life. And then if it's not applied to you, if right. he's not done, if it doesn't happen again, if he's not, you don't live to have a crucified life in you, um, then it's it's meaningless. Yeah. So I think that's the biggest thing I would encourage listeners. We're, we're going long here, but it's good. Like we need to practice living in the reality of the incarnation this year, yeah, and learning to Solid. enjoy it throughout the year. Yeah, and then you know whatever you do on December twenty fifth doesn't matter. It's like sure, whatever, participate or don't, yeah. but you're enjoying the incarnation. Right. right. And that should be our hope. That that should be our New Year's resolution. Yeah. If you want to do that kind of thing. More Christ. More Christ. Amen. Okay. Do you do you have an idea for what we do next time or Yes. Oh gosh. Yeah. What do you got? The afterlife. Oh gosh. Okay. Well, I'm I'm excited. I'm too. <laughs> okay. See y'all.